The Productive Woman, Episode 385. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. This week, we're going to talk about four productivity problem areas I've identified in my own life and a few things I'm trying to improve in those areas. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 385. This episode is brought to you by the University of California at Irvine Division of Continuing Education. You know, one great use of your time is improving your knowledge and skills through continuing education. According to data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, continuing education correlates very strongly to higher income. It can also open doors to networking opportunities, better job opportunities, and career progression. That's why I am so pleased to partner with and recommend the University of California at Irvine Division of Continuing Education as a resource for you, whether for career purposes or just general knowledge. UCIDCE has been serving the lifelong learning and skills development needs of the local, regional, and global community for over 50 years. UCIDCE offers more than 80 career-focused programs in areas such as business, leadership, technology, education, engineering, health sciences, law, finance, and more. Some programs can prepare individuals to sit for industry certifications, such as their paralegal certification program, which I thought was interesting, or they can provide continuing education credit toward recertification. Courses are offered on a quarterly basis, no formal application is required to enroll, and enrollment is open to everyone. If you sign up for a course with UCIDCE, you will learn from instructors who are practicing professionals with extensive relevant industry experience. You'll gain practical skills that can be applied immediately on the job. To learn more, visit ce.uci.edu slash learn now. And that learn now is all one worded. Again, that's ce.uci.edu slash learn now. And there will be a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. All right, let's get into this week's topic. Uh, I've been thinking about this all week. I think sometimes people assume that since I host a podcast about productivity, I'm always on top of things and always productive. Unfortunately, that's not true. I certainly do have systems and routines in place. I've been, you know, as I've said before, a productivity nerd since I was in middle school And so I've been learning about this stuff and trying different systems and approaches for many years. And I have those systems and routines in place and I can be pretty productive, but I also have my problem areas. And lately I've been feeling a little dissatisfied, even even somewhat overwhelmed at times in certain areas. So I spent some time thinking about it, trying to identify where those feelings of dissatisfaction and overwhelm are coming from. 
And as I really started to pay attention, especially even just over the last week or so, with where where I'm coming up against uh, roadblocks and where I feel like I'm struggling, I came up with four problem areas where I believe I need to improve, where I want to improve. And I thought this week I would share those four areas for me and some steps I plan to take to improve. Because as, as I do, when I identify something like this, I went out doing some research for myself of what are some things I can do to improve in these areas. And so I'm going to share some of that with you. And so in no particular order, just other than the order they came to me as I was sitting and and thinking about this, uh, number one problem area where I feel like I'm struggling is generally speaking, just too much communication coming at me. And by communication, I mean emails, text messages, Facebook messages, Teams messages through at work, you know, all the different kinds of communications that are coming at me from other people. Like many of you, I'm guessing, uh, I have multiple sources to keep track of as far as people communicating with me. I get hundreds of emails a day, literally, and those are among multiple different email accounts. I have my uh, law firm email account, and just in that one alone, I can get a couple hundred emails in the course of a day. Uh, In addition, though, I have personal email accounts. So years ago, I set up a, a Yahoo email account that primarily is the one I use when I am signing up for something, whether it's a mailing list or some service or something, so that all the emails related to that kind of go into one source. But I also have a Gmail account and, you know, my Productive Woman account and various things like that. And all the personal email accounts, personal and the the Productive Woman emails, I manage for the most part through the mail app on my Apple devices. So they all come into that one source. I don't have to go to each individual website to check them. But nevertheless, with all of those combined, I get hundreds of emails. Many of them are spam or unwanted sales emails from some vendor I once bought something from or some organization that I had had inquired something about something from and I ended up on a mailing list somewhere. Um, so many, many emails, and it's really hard to keep track of them all. I, In addition to email, I also get text messages. I don't get a ton of personal ones, but I do occasionally get them, uh, what I would call business texts, either from clients or a personal business reminder from, say, a doctor about an appointment or a vendor that I've signed up for a delivery from. So those come in through text messaging. Uh, I get messaging through the chat function in Microsoft Teams, which is the kind of communication thing we use for my law practice. Facebook messages come to me. Those are just some of the sources of communications that I'm getting throughout the day. I'm sure you can relate. You probably have many of the same ones. I know I'm not alone in this. Uh, recently, I spent a little bit of time scrolling through the the messages or the posts in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, just 
you know, going back over the communications and the, the conversations we've had in that group over the last few years that the group's been in existence. And interestingly, as I was scrolling through there, I came across a post from a few months ago posted by Lonnie, who said this, hi, community. One obstacle to my productivity is information coming to me via text message. And she was saying she has a a Samsung phone and uses Message Plus as her texting app. She says, when I need to follow up with an email, I mark it as unread and follow up when I have time. I can't do that with text messages, so I often forget to loop back on those questions slash requests slash dates any suggestions or hacks. And I, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, Lonnie. I, that, that's one of the things that I struggle with when I, I don't like to use text messaging for business purposes, uh, especially my law business for a number of reasons. But one of them is it's too easy for that to get lost in the, in the scroll there and you forget it's there unless you do something about it. So we're going to talk in a minute about uh, some things we can do about this. But the point is I have multiple sources of incoming communications to keep track of. Um, and the problem I, I have is that it's just hard to keep track of them all. And that's that's the number one problem with this issue. The second one is constant interruption of focused work time from these communications coming in. In addition, I feel uh, I can be distracted by guilt for uh, all those communications that I can't get back to in a timely fashion. You know, I I would prefer to have my email inbox emptied out at the end of every day. It's been a long time since I've been able to do that. Uh, as of today, I checked before I sat down to record the badge for the mail app on my iPhone shows 3,086 unread emails combined in just my Gmail account and my Yahoo account. So this doesn't even include uh, the Outlook email account for my law practice. Over 3,000 unread emails. Now, that's just stressful for me. Even knowing that a huge majority of those unread emails are unwanted solicitations or marketing newsletters and things like that, but they're there and seeing that number on the badge on my phone just creates a level of stress for me. I feel bad for having that there. It's like unfinished business that uh, I, you know, need to do something about. And I should say that I, you know, I scroll my emails, I identify the ones that need responses and I try to respond to them quickly but just knowing that there's that many unread emails in my inbox, it just, it just wears me out. So what am I going to do to address this problem area since I've identified it as being a source of stress and, and it's interfering, I feel like, with my day-to-day productivity? There are some things uh, that I need to do. I, I have to do something about it. And so I went out and, you know, did some research and basically came up with a couple of things that I'm going to do. First one is to kind of do a reset. And so for my personal emails, this isn't necessarily true of my law firm email account because that has to be dealt with differently. But for my private, my personal email accounts, I'm going to um, do a reset. 
I'm going to create a to process folder or a folder for, you know, the, the, the period of time. And as of the day I do this, I'm simply going to move everything out of my inbox into that folder so that my inbox gets a fresh start. The second step then is that I'm going to schedule 15 minutes twice a day to triage my emails. My first step will be to look at my inbox, immediately delete any spam, maybe, um, you know, unsubscribe to those that I can, quickly reply to those that are going to take a minute or so or less, and then file or, or schedule time to process whatever else is there. And during these 15-minute sessions, once I've dealt with the inbox, which shouldn't take very long uh, when I've emptied it out, whatever time is left, I will spend in that to process folder and just start from the most recent and work my way through, delete things as quickly as I can, respond to those that need response, file things that need to be filed, et cetera. So I'm going to you know, do that process as long as it takes until I get through that to process folder and, and get rid of things. Um, I can't do this, as I mentioned, for my Outlook email account for work. You know, those are emails from clients, from colleagues. They generally require attention. I don't get a lot of spam uh, uh, in that email account because the firm has, you know, kind of a spam filter assigned to our emails so that those spammy emails don't even get to our inbox. But we do get uh, a little digest once or twice a day that shows us what emails are in the spam filter, just in case something that is important got got caught there, and then we can go retrieve it and respond to it. So, but I can't like empty out my inbox and and just start over there. I, I have to pay attention to my email. One of the things that has frustrated me over the years is, you know, the standard productivity advice for dealing with email is that you should set aside specific times of the day, maybe 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the afternoon to read and review and process emails and then close your email uh, application and don't look at it the rest of the day. Well, I can't do that. A big part of my job is receiving emails from clients. If, For instance, if I have a deal in process for one of my clients, our communications are almost all through email. They're sending me documents. The lawyers on the other side of the deal are sending documents. I can't just let them sit there, especially if we've got a closing underway, for instance, or a very time-sensitive matter where people are going to need an immediate response. And I wish I could say, you know what, if you need an immediate response, call me. It doesn't work that way in the legal profession for at least for the transactional kind of work that I do. And so the reality of my life is I can't follow that advice. I wish I could. I can't. And so I have to find ways to manage the distraction of email and still get my focused work done. Now, part of what I do there is uh, I've turned off the audible notification, so I don't get I don't hear a ping or a ding when an email comes into my work account. Uh, but the badge is on, so I can see if there's something new in there if I take a quick look. And I have to check it periodically, maybe 
you know, every hour, or if we're, you know, in the last hour of a deal waiting to authorize closing, I have to keep my inbox open and respond to emails the minute they come in. But I know that's coming. And so I just have to order my day accordingly. All that being said, there are, I think, some things I can do to better manage my uh, work email and the distraction and interruptions that it can cause when I'm trying to do focused work. So one of the things I'm going to do is spend a little time, and I'm going to have to schedule time to do this, to learn a little more about how Outlook works. I know you can create rules that will sort through certain types of emails and and divert them from your inbox. Maybe not spam that would be caught by the spam filter, but you know, emails that don't need to be responded to right away. If it's a, a notice from the bar, maybe a reminder that I've got to renew my license next month or something, I can create a rule for those that will divert them. But then I also will need to uh, be more consistent about scheduling times um, to to check those diverted email in, uh folders to make sure that things get taken care of. So just like I mentioned with respect to my personal email accounts, um, scheduling 15 minutes twice a day to triage, I'll, I'll need to do that for the my work email to the extent I've created these rules that divert emails. So I'll have to have regular times when I check those folders, make sure that there's nothing in there that's got a deadline that needs to be attended to. In addition, although I can't limit my email activity to only certain times of the day, I can, depending on what else is going on, uh, schedule times when I do shut down my email application for maybe an hour or whatever time is available to me so that I can, for that period of time, focus on work that requires concentration analyzing materials that have been sent to me by the lawyer on the other side of a deal or drafting documents that for, to describe a, a complicated transaction. Those things require focused attention that I can't give if I'm checking email every 30 seconds. And so uh, one of the things I'm going to do and be more consistent about, I, I've done this anyway, but I'm going to be more consistent about scheduling times when I could do so, where I'm going to just close Outlook entirely and focus on the the other task at hand. One article I read in kind of researching what other ideas I could, could maybe apply in this problem area, uh, this article suggested creating a waiting folder, waiting, W-A-I-T-I-N-G, waiting, for emails that you, uh, before you can respond or something, you're waiting for someone else to take some action. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do that. And so when I, I have a folder system for my work email for each client and, and each specific deal, but sometimes you don't want to put the, an email in there because you're waiting for somebody else to do something. And so if I create this waiting folder, I can move these emails over there and this can work as long as I have scheduled times to check that uh, email folder and follow up where necessary. So th- this particular article had some other good ideas. I'll put a link in the show notes in case you uh, this is an issue for you as well and you want to check it out. Uh, on the issue of texts for work 
and trying to keep track of things when somebody sends you a, a business-related text message and that you need to follow up on. Uh, in response to Lonnie's post that uh, I mentioned earlier, a couple of people responded. Marty suggested screenshotting the text and then emailing that to yourself. And I think that can be a great idea. If email is the way you process things and keep track of things, you can do it that way. Amy reminded us that you can press and hold on a text message on your phone and a, or your, your tablet, and a menu will come up that allows you to do various things with that text message, including copying the text. And Amy then suggests you copy it and add it to your reminders app. So that could be a great idea. Uh, so you don't have to remember to go back and look at text, but you put it into your task management system that you've already got set up. So that's that's number one of the four areas, problem areas that I'm struggling with right now and the some of the actions that I'm going to take um, to improve in that area. Number two problem area for me these days, and this has been bothering me for a little while, is staying on top of special occasions. And specifically, I mean like um, birthdays, anniversaries, and things where I want to send cards or get gifts for family and friends. I used to be pretty good about this. I used to uh, have them, first of all, I have all these things in my calendar with reminders. So I do get pinged ahead of time for family birthdays, anniversaries, close friends, birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. I used to be better about um, like looking uh, each month, looking at the month ahead and going out and getting cards for each of those events or whatever and having them ready to go so that I could mail them out in time for them to, to be received. I've really slipped in this in the last year or so and, you know, as I was thinking about why that is, you know, part of it's just I'm not leaving the house much, you know, since 2020. And even before that, I I was have been working from home anyway. And then with COVID and all the restrictions that happened, and then I just, we live out in the country as well. So it's kind of a a, a process to go into town to go shopping. And I just don't do it very much. And adding to that uh, a particularly heavy workload for my legal practice over the last year, especially the last six months, uh, it's made it hard for me to get out and, and make the time to get out and prepare ahead of time for these special occasions for my family and friends. On top of that, I, you know, in, in many cases, I've been, I'm not sure what to do or, or to give other than sending a card. Sometimes you want to do something or you, you know, want to get gifts for the grandchildren or something. And you want it to be meaningful, but I, I feel sometimes I'm just stumped as to what could I give or what could I do to celebrate and acknowledge this special occasion in someone's life that I care about. Uh, and because I'm stumped, I end up doing nothing. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's not an excuse. It's just, a, this is, this, I'm looking at the reasons for why have I kind of fallen off the wagon of, of regularly sending these things out. It's important to me to do it, but I haven't been doing it. And I, so I feel bad for missing occasions, for not sending things, 
for not being a good grandma. I mean, I, you know, I'll send a text message or something, but I'm not the kind of friend, parent, grandparent that I want to be, um, or my idea of what a good grandma should be or a good mom should be. And so I end up feeling guilty and bad about that. So I want to do something about that so that this isn't something that's kind of hanging in my head, um, making me feel bad. So basically at this point, what I'm thinking about to address this particular problem area is I'm going to resume my former routine of, you know, mid-month, looking at the month ahead, identifying who's got a birthday, who's got an anniversary, what's special, you know, is somebody graduating from high school or college or something? What do I want to, because I put all that stuff on my calendar, so it's all there. Uh, So just resuming that routine of looking at the month ahead, figuring out what special occasions I want to acknowledge and recognize and then making a point of getting out there and buying cards, gifts where it's appropriate, getting them addressed ahead of time and ready to go so that I can mail them out uh, in time to be received. Um, we've got a friend who's having a, a baby shower coming up, and I want to do something to acknowledge that. So that, all those sorts of things. Uh, the other thing I want to do to deal with the sort of you know, feeling stumped as to what to do is I'm going to spend some time researching and researching, maybe talking to my kids, my adult kids, but create a list for each kid and each grandkid of gift ideas, uh, whether they're items or experiences that would be meaningful to that, that kid of mine or the, the grandchild. And once I have the list, then I don't need to sort of put off doing anything about it because I can pull something from that list and make it happen. So those are two things that I'm going to do to address this particular problem area for me of staying on top of special occasions for the people that I love. The third area that I identified as a problem area for me in terms of my productivity and making a life that matters is um, inconsistent meal planning. And this has been an issue for a while. I think it's easy to let it slide because it's just the two of us most of the time, Mike and me. And, um, you know, we don't have kids that I need to worry about getting dinner on the table for. And so it's easy to kind of let it slide and, and combine that with that I've been working some pretty long hours at my legal practice over the last few months, uh, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's a first world problem, right? I've got uh, an active legal practice that uh, that I, you know, I like my clients and it's a great thing, but it means I work long hours and I end up at the end of the day, what am I, you know, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, we put it off and put it off and then we don't have the foods in the house that I need to prepare better meals or I'm tired and I don't feel like making a mess in the kitchen. And so as a result, we both of us end up eating too much junk or, you know, prepared foods. We do keep things in the freezer that we can throw in the microwave, uh, but we do that too much. Um, So we're not eating as healthily as I think we should be. And we end up spending too much money on food for just two people and food goes to waste because you know, we've bought when we've bought things, but we're too tired to 
cook. And in fairness, let me just say, this isn't my only my problem. Mike chips in. He he cooks dinner frequently. Um, but nevertheless, we do, we, we both have, you know, demanding jobs. And so we're just not, when we haven't planned ahead, you know, it gets to be four o'clock on a weekday and it's like, what are we going to have for dinner? Because we didn't think about it ahead of time. And if, if that's the case, there may be food, you know, meat in the freezer, but it's frozen and you know, the, the situation. And so, I want to do something about this. This has been something that's been bugging me for a while. And so thinking about, well, what can I do to address this particular problem area to make sure that we're eating healthy meals most of the time and not wasting food, wasting money on, you know, takeout too often or or pre-prepared foods, et cetera. So one of the things I'm going to do is to schedule a time to come up with a list of you know, 20 or so meals that we both like, I'll, you know, I'll get Mike's input on this, uh, have a list and make sure that a, a lot of them are meals that can be prepared fairly quickly that don't take a ton of time in the kitchen, but that still are good and healthy. And I, I have lots of resources for something like that. Uh, I just need to make use of them, but it takes a little pre-thought and so I, if I come up with this list of 20 or so meals that we like, then the next thing I can do is schedule a little time to sort of inventory our pantry and our freezer, make sure I know what we have in terms of food that's actually in the house, and identify what is needed for those meals that we like. And then start putting meal plans together, maybe two weeks at a time, Uh, just meals for three to four days. The other days can maybe be leftovers or, you know, take out once a week or something like that. As far as coming up with the meal plans, in addition to kind of identifying the the meals that we both like, you know, that can get monotonous. And so I want to come up with some other ideas. You can use, I can use, we can use a, an app like Supercook, which I'll put a link in the show notes. This is kind of a neat app if you haven't heard of it before. Uh, It's an app on your phone or you can do it online in a browser on your computer. It basically lets you go through and check off the ingredients you actually have on hand and then it'll look at all of that and suggest recipes that you can make with those ingredients. So it's really helpful to come up with some good, I found some great recipes in there Uh, You can find some things that you can make um, instead of trying to just randomly think of what you want to make and then have to go buy the ingredients. You can uh, list what you have and it'll tell you what you can make with what you actually have in the house. Uh, So that's a great app. Another app that can be useful for meal planning is called Meal Lime, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So all of that like I said, maybe once we've come up with these plans, basically plan a couple weeks at a time and then, you know, make sure that we have the food in the house for those meals. So having thought of it ahead of time, it's going to make it a lot easier to sit down and to actually go in the kitchen and and cook these meals. Uh, Several experts that I read in kind of trying to find other ideas for dealing with this problem area Uh, recommended establishing theme nights to simplify meal planning. So 
Maybe you do meatless Mondays, the, the you know, well-known Taco Tuesdays, maybe soup and sandwich Wednesdays, pasta Thursdays, and pizza Fridays, or whatever works for you. But having kind of that, uh, those theme nights as a rotating thing will simplify planning the meals for the week. The other thing I want to do is get back in the habit of spending maybe an hour or two on the weekends pre-prepping food for the coming week. So things like chopping up vegetables and fruits, which, you know, preparing that kind of stuff, but also browning ground beef and having it, you know, already browned and just in the refrigerator, baking and shredding a chicken, even making spaghetti on the weekend for a meal later in the week. In my opinion, spaghetti is better the second day anyway, or something like chili or a stew or something, or assembling casseroles ahead of time, just to simplify getting dinner on the table during the week. If I plan ahead of time, if I can get that meal plan figured out ahead of time, then I can look at it on the weekend for what can I prepare ahead of time so that it's ready for the coming week. So those are some things I'm going to try uh, or reestablish in my life uh, that I used to be better about uh, to deal with this problem area of inconsistent meal planning and the results that uh, what Mike and I are eating isn't always the best option. And the fourth problem area that I identified uh, that I want to do something about is what I've kind of labeled as failing work-life boundaries. Um, I think a lot of us have this issue, it, especially for those of us who work at home. And it bo- goes both directions. So working from home, I'm sitting here in my home office working on my legal stuff during the weekdays, and I can get really easily distracted from that legal work by some household chore. And Honestly, sometimes that's just because it's easier to, you know, fold laundry or clean a toilet than make a difficult phone call or draft a challenging document. Uh, And so I, you know, the home kind of intrudes on the workday because my workday is taking place in my home. And I think a lot of us uh, see that happen. And it it, uh, ends up that I'm being less productive, less efficient I end up eating lunch at my desk here, either working or watching YouTube videos, but not really taking a break. And so that that sort of home intruding can intrude on work. On the other hand, work also intrudes on personal time. I have emails that come in at all hours and, and I see them on my phone and often feel like I need to respond right away or you know, a perfect example is, you know, if you've listened for a while, you know, I spent a couple of weeks in February away from home at a writing retreat. I was there to work on the book and I made great progress on it. But honestly, I worked, my my plan going down there was that I was going to work on legal stuff a couple hours a day and then spend the rest of the time working on this writing project but in fact, I ended up working way more hours than I had hoped during that time. Uh, work, just a bunch of new deals came in. I was getting calls, et cetera. And so work kind of intruded on what was sort of a vacation, but, uh, you know, this writing retreat. And 
I, I can't blame anybody but myself for this. I, I realize this in thinking about how did I end up in that situation, I have a hard time saying no to clients or colleagues, even when I already have too much work to do or when I'm supposed to be on vacation or out of the office. I don't like to disappoint people. And I, you know, in thinking about it honestly, I'm afraid of running out of work. I'm, af- I've, I've realized that I'm afraid to some extent, if I say, no, I can't do that right now, that they'll stop calling me. And then, uh, you know, my income is gone. And so realizing those, that thought process is contributing to why work often intrudes on my personal time and these work life boundaries aren't working these days. I realize I'm not as efficient as I want to be at work. And and on the other side of it, I find it harder to relax and reset when I'm away from work. And days go by during the week and I feel like all I do is work because I'm here at home in my home office and I just keep working or I keep coming back into my office to work. So I need to do a little bit better job of managing those boundaries. And so some of the things that I'm going to do to address this problem area, first of all, I'm going to rethink my work from home routine and be more thoughtful and intentional about allocating time to work and time for household stuff more consistently and not let them intrude on each other. Uh, Second thing, I'm going to take actual breaks during the day, during which I actually leave my desk, leave the screens behind, leave my phone on my desk and go eat my lunch in the kitchen or, you know, if the weather permits, maybe outside, maybe take time to read a chapter of a book instead of looking at a screen, you know, watching YouTube videos on the same computer that I was doing legal work on for the whole morning. Um, one thing I was inspired by something Christine shared in a Productive Woman Community Facebook group. This was a while ago, but I came across it recently again while scrolling through the post, as I mentioned earlier. And Christine in this post said, I just want to share with this group how I beat the afternoon slump. And she uses the acronym PAWS, P-A-W-S. And you know, it rhymes with pause, like to take a break. And so PAWS, this acronym that she's come up with stands for, P stands for play music that pumps me up. Uh, A stands for aromatherapy. W stands for walk, a 10 to 15 minute walk, she said. And S is a smoothie or a healthy snack. And I I love this um, reminder, this thought, because a lot of times when we're working, especially when we're working from home, but anywhere you're working, a lot of times we have that afternoon slump where we need to keep working, but we really need a break. And I love this acronym. I hope Christine won't mind. I'll share it in the um, show notes for this uh, in case you want to kind of uh, use this as a reminder to take a break for yourself and create that boundary. I also love the idea that Sarah suggested in a comment on, on that post of Christine's which is to take a short nap in the afternoon. Um, Sarah said, I'm trying to have a mini siesta in the afternoons if I can, even 10 minutes. It really makes a difference for me. And certainly those of us who work from home, if we are thoughtful and intentional, plan ahead, work 
you know, productively in the mornings, we certainly can can take a short nap or just close our eyes for 10 minutes, set a timer, and then get back to work a little more refreshed. So that's something I want to start doing, basically taking more breaks, uh, not more breaks, but actually taking breaks during the day where I walk away from my desk and do something restorative. I also want to reinstate my morning routine of meditation, movement, and motivation in the sense of reading something that's motivating to me to renew my sense of purposefulness as I go into my workday. I'm also going to work on my ability to say no without guilt. And for that, I'm going to need to do some thought work on why I have such a hard time saying no and, you know, kind of work through that. And finally, one Forbes article that I read called Six Tips for Better Work-Life Balance. And I will, again, have a, have links to all these articles and some others in the show notes if you want to do a little do a little reading for yourself to, to get some ideas and some motivation. This article suggests limiting time-wasting activities and people. And so I plan to spend some time evaluating how I spend my work time specifically and see if there are any time-wasting activities I can eliminate to buy back some of my time so that my workday doesn't need to, you know, go on and on and intrude into my personal and family life. So those are the four areas, four problem areas that I've found for my own productivity these days. Um, dealing with too much communication coming at me from outside sources, uh, staying on top of special occasions for the people uh, I love, uh, inconsistent meal planning, and those failing work-life boundaries, and a few ideas of things that I'm going to try to improve in those areas. I would love to know what you think. Do you struggle with any of these areas? And if so, uh, do you have any tips for overcoming one or more of these productivity problem areas? I would love it if you'd share them with me and with the rest of the community. You can do that by uh, sharing them in a comment uh, in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find uh, at theproductivewoman.com slash 385. That's also where you'll find the links to the sources that I mentioned, the articles and, and some other things, the apps that I mentioned and several other resources that might be useful to you. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, we can continue the, this conversation there and share some ideas and encouragement and inspiration with each other. As always, though, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email them to me. Even though I get lots of emails, I, I value the emails that come from you. And uh, I will respond to them as soon as I possibly can. So you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Before we go, I want to say a special thank you to Kinsey D. Roberts from the United States, who left a very nice review of the Productive Woman podcast in uh, Apple Podcast recently. She said, I'm assuming it's a she, uh, Kinsey said, the Productive Woman has been one of my favorite podcasts for years. Laura is a master of realistic, doable strategies, and her, it's her tips that have kept me here for so long. 
I always come away with an idea I can actually use. Thanks, Laura. Well, thank you, Kenzie D. Roberts. That's very encouraging to me to hear. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Also, before we go, remember whether career related or just for the fun of learning something new, if one of your goals this year is to advance your education and or your career, remember to visit ce.uci.edu slash learn now to see how UCI's Division of Continuing Education can support those goals. That's ce.uci.edu slash learn now. And again, I will have a link to this in the show notes in case you're driving or jogging or something and can't write it down. And thank you so much to UCI for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Matter.